Welcome to Woke and Confused, the podcast delving into the environmental dilemmas of our time. From palm oil to plastics, climate change to behaviour change, doing the right thing can be a complete minefield. We're on this journey with you and we'll be exploring some of the day-to-day challenges we face and the decisions we struggle to make. We're your hosts, Livy Drake and Jessica Farrow, and we're Woke and Confused. Coming up in today's episode, we talk about festivals and single-use culture, bust some common myths, and reveal the Woke and Confused guide to being an eco-festival goer. But first... Dilemmas. So my dilemma was um, gardening. And um, I was helping out my mum and she wanted to chop down some trees, some like branches and trees and clear loads of um, undergrowth and uh, wildflowers and weeds. And um, I was feeling really bad because I was like, oh, God, this is like an ecosystem. It's a habitat for the um, for the birds and for the insects. And we're facing insectageddon. And am I killing things? I'm like killing all these like plants that could be giving places for nectar for bees. Oh, it was very distressing. Yeah, I have. Th- I had a similar thing, actually. So I had um, my garden at the moment is kind of overgrown. And I was thinking like, oh, should I mow the lawn or should I leave the lawn because of all the insects? And actually, it's a much nicer environment for the same reason. But then it just seems like the biodiversity in my garden is quite slug heavy right now. So I don't know. <laughs> the biodiversity seems to be slugs and wood lice. And then yeah. also I had some ants in my kitchen. So <gasps> I had this. It's horrible. I mean, you, no one wants ants in their kitchen at any point. Um, but I was like, well, what am I going to do? These guys are, are marching around everywhere. And ants are really cool. But then I was like, oh, God, I need to probably get rid of them. So I got one of those raid things. Oh, what does that do? Oh, God, it's like a little tiny little thing that you put down on the floor. And it contains bait. And then the ants come in. And they, they're like, ooh, delicious bait. And then they eat it. And then they take it back to the queen. And the queen eats it and dies. <gasps> and then the whole hive dies. Oh, my and God. I, I feel like an ant murderer, especially yeah. they're so intelligent, they're so amazing, and I feel really bad, but I don't want them in my kitchen. So what are you meant to do? Dilemma. And I think we should just caveat that we're saying our concerns around this are um, all the reports about insectageddon. So the there's so many findings now that insects are just going extinct, ones we probably didn't even know about. And insects really maintains our food chain because insects pollinate different um, plants and that's how fruit and vegetables grow. So without insects, uh, we are royally screwed. Yeah, we're having such a tough time. But on another positive note, I planted some lovely window boxes out the front of my house. And yesterday I was putting out the bins and I saw a bee just stuffing his face in all of the flowers and I felt really happy I was like you're hey redeemed there. hey there bee nice <laughs> to see you enjoying the buffet I put out for you plant more I think you need to plant more um more wildflowers and maybe that'll help change your biodiversity okay good yeah will do so Jess what's your inspiration at the moment what's been inspiring you well, I, I just found out that Luxembourg plans to become the first country to make public transport free to yeah. all its citizens. Great. It's really cool. Obviously, they're a rich country, so it's probably easy, and a small country too, so it's probably easier for them to do that. But I just think it's a really cool example of um, a government taking action and, and doing something that's actually quite bold. And it'll be really interesting to watch and see how it works and as, as a kind of experiment. So let's all take note. Yeah, I mean, I think if in this country public transport was cheaper then people would fly less yep totally so let's watch and see what about you 
I'm feeling inspired by uh, the rappers who are getting behind climate change. Um, particularly, um, there's a guy called Little Dicky, and I discovered this um, video. Lil uh, Dicky. Lil Dicky. <laughs> it's always Lil. 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 Um, so uh, I follow um, Leonardo DiCaprio on Twitter. And, um, who I saw, doesn't? <laughs> and I saw he had a, um, a video coming out. So I was like, oh, great. And then I started watching this video. And I mean, you have to watch it, guys. You really have to watch it. It is really ridiculous, but it's a song called We Love the Earth. And um, he's got all of these people like Ariana Grande, Justin Bieber, um, Snoop Dogg, saying about why they love the earth. And it's like, wow, comedy rappers are talking about climate change and bringing this into another dynamic. All the money from this video and the song goes to Leonardo DiCaprio's campaigns. And it's just like another way that everyone's talking about climate change. And also, whenever I'm feeling a bit down about climate breakdown, climate chaos, just put this song on and start singing along with the baboons. We love the earth. <laughs> you showed it to me just before. I hadn't seen it. It is totally bizarre, um, but it's it's brilliant. I mean, it's just so bizarre. It's, it's had 138 million views on YouTube. So it's Climate obviously crossover. it's it's crossover. Yeah, it's really cool to see the the pop culture people who are leading these young generation. They're really showing that they are actually taking action, and and this is what I want to see more of: more artists doing this. Yeah, and everyone watch it. As this is our festival episode, we are here with our uh, festival outfits on. Yeah, I'm wearing quite a jazzy gold and black jacket and Livy's wearing a spangly, sparkly green. Yeah, spangly number. Whoop, whoop. Yeah, so we are here with our reusable bottles, our reusable plastic festival cups and we are ready to talk about festivals. Yeah, so um, last month, the Association of Independent Festivals launched a campaign to retailers like Tesco's and uh, outdoor shops to stop selling single-use tents. And the reason this is, is because um, in 2018, about 10% of people attending festivals actually um, left their tent at the festival, which um, the AFIF, which is the Association of Independent Festivals, they have estimated is equivalent to 875 tonnes of plastic waste. And these tents cannot be recycled because it's mixed materials, you've got the poles, and the reality is that when festival cleaning companies are going around and clearing the campsites, they don't have time to pack up a tent all neatly, they just pull it down and chuck it away. Yeah, I have to say, I spent um, a lot of my summers um, back in my earlier 20s. I spent a lot of time in my youth. Yeah, I spent a lot of time going around uh, festivals and spending whole summers doing cleanups, festival cleanups, including Glastonbury. Um, and the, the Glastonbury cleanup is quite an operation. What you. did you find? Anything good? Oh, God. You would not believe it. It's like a landfill site at the end. It's really, really disheartening. You start off with like big plastic bag but you, you're walking in like a massive line of 200 people in a mm -hmm. row and you're just basically binning everything into plastic bags and because all this the waste to begin with is quite big um you're going through the bags a lot and then there's a couple of people standing around with bags and gloves going bags and gloves bags and gloves and they're just handing out bags and gloves the whole time and everyone's just literally bagging up stuff as they go and you would not believe, I mean, there are camp stoves, there are bags of untouched food, like cans of baked beans, super noodles. There is um, just like 
full things of toothpaste, full things of sun cream. Um, oh, it all sounds quite nice. Strewn every well, yeah. I mean, and I took a backpack because I was just trying to save as much as I, ca I could. Yeah. And, you know, you know, sun cream's really expensive. And when you're going around working at the festivals all the summer, you need all this stuff. So you're basically topping up all your festival um, kind of essentials. And, you know, you're like thinking, oh, wow, that's a really good airbed. That's better than my airbed. So you're kind of upgrading mm. as you go. But because you're it's called tatting, isn't it? It is called tatting. It is called tatting. Um, and at the end, you know, you, you, you are having some really great finds. And sometimes you find some great clothes and things that people have just abandoned um anything disgusting oh god you find a lot of poo i have poo? to say a what's lot. the poo doing <laughs> oh, there's a lot of poo um once i remember this one particular occasion there was a tent an empty tent one of these tents that people left and there was just a poo in it a poo in a tent a tent yeah the tent toilet <laughs> i know yeah people do that they just buy a tent just to poo in it what is wrong with people that's just wrong on every level. I, I just don't think people really think about the fact that someone has to clear that up. Um, and yeah, luckily we didn't have to do it. It was kind of like a supervisor job. So you got to get your supervisor to come over and do it. But yeah, um, so that was horrendous. So I think um, talking about people's behaviour at festivals is probably a great way to uh, segue into our uh, interview this episode. We're going to be talking to Bryony, who is writing a PhD on people's behaviours at festivals. So uh, we're really pleased to have Bryony Whitaker with us today. And Bryony is a lecturer at University West of England in Bristol, and she is doing lots of exciting research into music festivals. So hi, Bryony. Hi, Bryony. So can you tell us uh, what the uh, theme of your study has been recently? We have started looking at um, attendee behaviour, so the audiences and the different uh, types of people that make up the audiences at music festivals um, and how we can manipulate those behaviours for the good and to make people behave in a more sustainable way whilst they are at music festivals. Oh, sounds interesting. I um, previously worked um, in festival sustainability so um i know a bit about that and we've actually worked together haven't we yeah, um, on some research yeah. at shambhala so tell us a bit about what you've been discovering well i'm shortly going to be going to glastonbury and so i'm looking forward to sort of developing the research there what i, I suppose the main the main issue is that festival organizers can put as many sustainable initiatives in place but it's, it, it doesn't work if attendees, the people actually going along to the festival, aren't um, engaging with them or behave, you know, behaving in a sustainable way. What we will be looking at at Glastonbury um, is focusing on the problem campsites, so the ones where it's typically younger people, as it's called the naughty corner, I guess, near the Shangri-La stages. Where they, where Glastonbury have found that there, there have been the most, the most problems and the most issues with um, people leaving rubbish around, people leaving their stuff behind at the end of the festival. Um, so they've trialled some sustainable initiatives on campsites, but what we're going to do is go around and interview people, um, you know, see if they're aware that they are even behaving in this particular way. Things like, have they thought about sustainability prior to coming to the festival? Is it purely practical? Are they just taking a single-use tent so they can leave it? Have they even considered the, you know, thought about the implications of that? So that's what that's what we're going to be, that's what we're going to be focusing on. But typically, looking at it, it past research, it, it is normally the younger people that are, that are the problem or the issue and when you look at when you compare campsites like the family camping they're all absolutely spotless at the end of the festival so we're, we're trying to target those those particular problem areas and see see what we can do so 
I suppose part of this is sort of like this concept um, of herd mentality and herd behaviour yeah. and people, maybe young people are um, doing what their friends are doing and they think it's not cool to pick up their litter yeah. versus the family i mean have you done some research around those kind of theories yeah so we've we've um people i mean and research has already shown that that people whether consciously or subconsciously will will follow other others behavior um whether that's for the good or the bad what we have been focusing on is this concept of temporary autonomous zones which was originally used in the context of of anarchy and, and politics but we're sort of taking it in in the sense of people and in, in their campsites as tribes people behave in a particular way because they're part of that that tribe we can we can look at that in relation to football matches which is quite a quite a nice comparison that people go along to football matches they wouldn't ever get into fights outside of the football match but they get caught up in the audience and behave in this it's completely antisocial and completely against what they would normally do and how they would normally behave. And we're finding that at festivals, people wouldn't necessarily throw their, you know, leave their rubbish out on the street on a normal on a normal weekday. So why is it then that it's suddenly acceptable in an area where we're encouraging sustainability more than we would normally? Why are they behaving in in this way? And and typically people will go back to the same campsite each year. We find, um, and I, from my own experience as well. We, you know, people do gravitate. They have these little families and these little tribes that they make each year, sort of back to their 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 pilgrimage back to the festival each year, and, and meet up in this one spot. And it's how can we tackle that issue, um, which is sort of an ongoing area that that needs focus. How can we tackle the the issue without feeling like people are being policed? Because there's all, there's already quite a lot of kind of uh, initiatives that've been going on in Glastonbury for for a long time around kind of social norming and social proofing. Like they have the green police. Like you know when people go and uh, take a wee in the hedge, they have like the people dressed up in fun outfits. They run up to them with trumpets and trombones and and all musical instruments and drums and like don't piss in the hedge. <laughs> One of the things I do find challenging with um, Glastonbury and the whole social norming piece is that they are part of the problem that tents, te leaving tents is so uh, endemic through the festival industry because they said a few years ago that they would take left tents to take them for refugees and to charities. And that means that now that's what everyone thinks happens to tents. And it was this great thing that spread through wildfire, like, great, I can be lazy yeah. And I'm doing a good thing, which human behaviour loves. And then also last time I was at Glastonbury, they put a sign up on that said, one in four people leave their tent. Well, that shows how big a problem it is. So what they should have said was three out of four people take their tent home. There's all this stuff, you know, festivals have to really think about how they communicate. Have you got any examples of any festivals that are doing good things to engage people? participants attendees i mean shambhala is obviously a great example of, of sustainability done well yeah um people i remember when i'm um, doing the the data collection with you livy that people came with the mindset that they enjoyed it being a sustainable festival it wasn't oh i have to behave this way because it's and it was a drag people were happy and keen to be sustainable when they were actually at the festival and that was one of the aspects that they really liked about it was that it was a sustainable festival. People were doing their recycling as they went along, um, keeping their campsites clean because they wanted to be a part of this, this sustainable event. 
I think Glastonbury doesn't have that luxury. People aren't going with the mindset, okay, this is a sustainable festival. It's, it, I think, because of the the size, even though a number of, of people might think that, um, particularly in family camping areas, they don't they don't have the luxury that people see it as a sustainable festival because you get so many pictures of all the rubbish that's left behind at the end. And I, I think people can remove themselves from being a part of the problem. So that, that was an error to say, you know, we donate the tents to refugees at the end of the festival because it just completely negated any guilt about actually leaving it there and not taking it home. So I, I think it's 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 hard, but they are moving in the right direction. The things like there's no plastic water bottles, that's a really big thing for the festival. So it'll be interesting to see how that works. But it's worked really well at Shambhala. It doesn't seem to have been a, a massive issue. Uh, I particularly like it Shambhala as well, but mm-hmm. it's vegan and vegetarian. Um, which I'm not sure you could implement on such a large scale as Glastonbury, um, but but all festivals seem to have their own little their own little ways. Um, I went to actually the Shambhala in uh, in Canada in British Columbia, and that was very sustainable. You had to have eco friendly shampoo and conditioner, and people and things just things like that. People were really really keen to make sure that they didn't leave an impact because the the festival was in the middle of the forest there was a river running through it so just on that because I think that's almost like the expectations that we have as as attendees to festivals on what a truly sustainable festival looks like I think the festival organizers have an amazing opportunity to basically create this mini society for a weekend and actually make all the rules that they want and if if they want to say you know you can only bring eco-friendly shampoo and conditioner they can they can do that it's up to them and if you look at if you look at festivals like Burning Man in the US that's a kind of truly leave no trace festival where actually people ship out all their rubbish they have to bring all their water in with them um the only thing that they deal with i think is the portaloos um but apart from that it is a truly leave no trace festival and i think we've got a long way to go actually in the uk to actually we expect all that to be done for us i don't i don't want to be the uh the downer but um there is evidence to show that a lot of people just take their rubbish down the road to the nearest reserve and it all gets burnt um so the leave no trace values is challenging but what they've got is a strong ethos and that's the really important thing about having that strong ethos that then is what people abide by and i think for me the whole thing about festivals and all the leaving and all the litter and people like oh festivals are so wasteful they are a reflection of society and what people are doing in their home is they're eating all this stuff in plastic. They are throwing away stuff. They're consuming fast fashion. Everything is very throwaway. And it's just because there isn't a big black bin that they can put it in that you can actually see it. So it is a microcosm and it's a reflection of us coming back at us. I think that's how I now see you know, the, the festival landscape. And so just to wrap it up, what are you hoping to get from your research and what will you be doing with your research once it's complete um so we are potentially looking um we might be looking at a comparison between sort of Glastonbury and Boardmasters in Newquay which is obviously um, a, a much smaller festival with a different demographic so we're just trialing initiatives to see what what's going to work what people's opinions are of the festival of the sustainable initiatives that the festival puts in place so it's going to be a long project over a few few years comparative project but um hopefully it means that we can we can see what works and what doesn't and we always like to ask people about their environmental dilemmas so what's yours 
So mine is definitely, I'm very bad for driving short distances, um, particularly when the weather is as bad as it currently is with all the rain. Um, I don't like walking. I can't ride a bike. So that uh, takes that option away from me. So I would definitely say that, that driving short distances is something I need to, to work on. Thank you and good luck. So now we're going to do some festival myth busting. Myth busting. What's the number one myth buster? Number one myth is tents will go to charity if you leave them behind. So we kind of covered this a bit before, but if you have got a shit pop-up tent, no refugee is going to be able to live in it. (laughs) If you want to give a tent to a refugee, buy a nice one, pack it up and give it to them. If you want to take a tent to a festival, buy one that's going to last and keep using it. Yeah, so basically don't just buy a crap tent, take a poo in it and then think that someone else is going to pack it up and give it to charity because it's not going to happen. I've been the cleanup crew and I've seen them all just go into the big rubbish truck crusher thing and we're literally just lobbing all these tents into the crusher because there's no time for people to pack these up so please do not leave your tent at festivals they will not go to charity and don't poo in your tent (laughs) just that's just goes without saying so here's food for thought 93 percent of festivals have now ditched plastic straws but the average tent is made of plastic and weighs about three and a half kilos and that's 8750 straws So don't feel so good about quitting your straws and leaving your tent. Myth number two. I don't use normal plastic glitter. I use eco glitter. That's okay. Well, this is a really sad one because I love glitter. I love glitter. It makes a festival really fun. And um, it's just the mainstay. It's just like when you're getting dressed up, all the glitter everywhere, as much glitter as possible. But glitter is a microplastic. And if it it's really, really problematic if it gets into the water courses, if it gets into the rivers, it's going to go into the sea and get into the fish and the aquatic life. And it's going to cause all kinds of problems that we don't fully understand yet. And we do have this new range of eco glitter, bioplastic glitter, but this eco glitter, it does still contain plastic. It does still contain around eight to 10% plastic. So it not, it's not necessarily completely plastic free. So, yeah, I mean, I've been having this crisis and, I uh, I find it very challenging. I want eco glitter to be okay, but um, it still has that bit of plastic and they have done tests, but still 3% of it remains. And it's also got aluminium in it. So that means that aluminium is going into the watercourses, which it's all very confusing for me. But um, they have come up with a new kind of eco glitter. Really? Oh my God, really? Uh, Yes, Um, it's made from mica, which is a naturally occurring mineral and um, shellac. And shellac is made from the crustaceans that go over the topper of um, bugs, these uh, bugs when they're being born and they um, pop out of the crusts and go and go and live their life. And then the crusts get um, extracted and used to make um, shellac nail polish and glitter. So this means it's not vegan because it's made from an animal product. Okay. so I don't know how you feel about that. I'm still confused. I'm still confused. It's confusing. So this is a sad one, people. But if you can think about other ways to decorate yourself, fancy, nice clothes and face paints. Yep. All of those things. What about some flowers? Yep. Flowers. And I think, yeah, I think there's a lot of festivals that have already banned glitter or really strongly, strongly discourage it. And I know, for example, at Burning Man, they do um, discourage it actively. Myth number three. 
taking drugs doesn't affect your environmental footprint. Yeah, so you might be there enjoying your organic falafel wrap and your organic beer. But have you thought about the impact of the Coke that you stashed in your <laughs> pants? Yeah, didn't you know? Coke comes from rainforests where they're chopping down the rainforest. They're putting all these chemicals into the Amazon. And then there's poor people who are trafficking these drugs all the way across the world. <laughs> like you think you care about um, you know, social justice and things. Have you thought about those poor traffickers who are bringing your Coke for you? Yeah, So, and also there's another uh, rather problematic drug that people tend to take at festivals which is nitrous oxide or laughing gas balloons which firstly have the impact of the balloons themselves which are single-use plastic which always end up all over the floor and nitrous oxide itself is actually 300 times more strong greenhouse gas than carbon dioxide and it actually stays in the atmosphere for over 100 years so as well as it also depletes the ozone so you are an ozone destroyer. Yeah. So if you're taking cocaine and you're taking laughing gas at festivals, you are not being very environmental. Uh, uh, but what about in day-to-day -day life? Sorry. Yeah. Drug taking, it really is bad. <laughs> this is the Woke and Confused Guide to Festivals. Number one, bring a few reusable water bottles with you and a reusable cup. And my top tip is make sure that you fill up a bottle and leave it in your tent before you go out for the night so you avoid that morning dry mouth. Or you avoid drinking the vodka by accident. <laughs> Number two, be realistic about the food you're going to bring. Like, are you actually going to eat that hummus? Because guaranteed it'll gone off after the second day. Number three, pissing in hedges. Just don't do it. It's bad for the water. It's bad for the fishes. It's bad for the land. If everyone did it, then we'd have a serious problem with the nitrogen stuff in your piss getting everywhere, basically. And on scale, it's an absolute nightmare for the environment. Number four, car sharing. This is a great way to reduce your carbon footprint by sharing the carbon footprint of your car with lots of other people. Um, and it means you also pay less for the um, car fees when you get to a festival, and it's more fun. So there's loads of websites that you can do this through and most festivals will have a car sharing page. Number five, if you're gonna buy a festival outfit, buy it from a charity shop or buy a really good one that you're gonna wear year after year. Number six, we've said this before, we've said it once, we've said it twice, take your tent home. Don't buy a shit one that you're gonna leave behind. So next up, Greenwash Corner. Greenwash Corner. So Jess, what are you putting in Greenwash Corner? So this week I'm going to talk about cardboard tents. So it's very topical, obviously, given the festival's topic. So there's these cardboard tents that have been hailed as a, an alternative to your normal plastic tents. And the idea is that they are compostable and biodegradable at the end of their life. I'm not sure about this for a number of reasons. One, because it's kind of, again, still perpetuating the idea that a tent is single use in the first place, which, as we've talked about, they're not. Secondly, they don't really look, generally from a user point of view, they don't look that comfortable to me. So I'm not really sure um, if that's good. And thirdly, yeah, I just think, why, why are we going down this road? We just need to be thinking about getting a decent tent, reusing it again and again. What do you think, Libby? So um, 
I agree. They're kind of not dealing with our throwaway culture. They're um, reinforcing that. But I have been to a lot of um, international festivals where um, these are a really good option because people don't want to carry loads of things. And it's more most likely that people traveling on a plane or long distances um, will be leaving their tent at the festival. So actually providing this place where you go to, it's already set up for you um, and it's sort of like a village is quite good. And also if they're in an environment that's quite dry, so I've seen them a lot in places like Portugal, um, they actually can be used multiple times. Mm-hmm. And they're actually are supposed to be quite nice because they stay dark and they don't get hot. So maybe you just need to invest in a uh, cardboard tent. Maybe I need to give it a go. Maybe I need to give it a go. Yeah, I mean, I definitely wouldn't see a cardboard tent standing up to kind of a muddy Glastonbury year. No. I wouldn't fancy that. So maybe it is better for hot weather. So maybe they stay out of Greenwash Corner because they have a specific application. But I'm just going to kind of be watching closely because people still need to have the right attitude towards single use and tents. What about you? So I am going to uh, put Dettol, um, Dettol biodegradable wipes uh, in the greenwash corner today because they've got this awful advertising campaign in the UK where they show loads of landfill and then they then say, oh, we've got a biodegradable wipe and that's going to do something to tackle uh, what? So the issue is with... Um, uh, people are actually flushing wipes down the toilet. That's the problem with wipes. And wipes, people think they um, are natural and they're actually made with plastic. So now they're making wipes um, that are biodegradable, but people still are going to chuck them in the bin. Um, and if they chuck them in the bin, they're still going to go to landfill and they're going to incinerated. So they're not actually really t- tackling, tackling waste. And there's only been one wipe that's actually been certified that it's safe to put down the toilet. And that's been one that was made by NatureCare. Um, and I just think they're pointless. What's wrong with a J cloth or a reusable cloth and some spray? I think, yeah, pointless. Mm. What do you think? Um, yeah, I tend to think we need to move away from this kind of wipes culture. Now it's become such a major issue. If you go to any of the sewage plants, there's some really interesting um, documentaries recently come out where it's actually going to the end of the pipe as it were and seeing the horrendous problem these wipes are causing so there's only three things you should put down the toilet pee paper and poo exactly uh, they, they create fat bergs is what they also do so the fat that people pulls down the toilet with the wipes they make this big thing and it gets and then that's why you end up with house flooding um, and also if you're going to a festival we should tell you uh, wipes um, don't put them down the compost loose. Uh, make sure you do put them in the bin if you are going to use them. But um, there is also things called flannels. Does anyone remember those? <laughs> a flannel? So much nicer to wipe your face with as well. And I also actually use for uh, makeup and things. I've got reusable um, face wipes uh, for makeup and there's other ones. I mean, did you know there's a trend for uh, wiping your bum with wipes? Bum wipes? Oh, God. I don't know about a reusable bum wipe. A reusable bum wipe. That's maybe a step too far. <laughs> But, oh my God, actually, uh, this, this we should review these. Maybe we should see whether someone will send us one of these in. There's this thing that you can have, which is instead of uh, using toilet roll now, it's like a bottom washer. Um, I can't remember what they're called, but yeah. Like uh, a bidet. Uh, like a bidet, but a mobile one. Oh, goodness. Yeah. We could maybe review those for Greenwash Corner. Okay. Or just review one. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> what do you think? I'd like to give it a go. Because, yeah, whenever I've visited kind of other parts of the world where they have that rather than loo roll, I think it's quite a good experience, really. Um, I don't think it'll make good radio reviewing in um, <laughs> yeah so if anyone makes those wants to send us one in as a sample we're all we're all up for it we've got good sound effects 
Okay, cool. I think I think that's us. That's so done. It's been a lot of talk of poo on today's episode. Yeah, that's it's not uh, a toilet talk. <laughs> yeah, that's a festival thing, I think. We're really happy that you joined us today. If you're going to a festival, remember our top tips. Uh, we'll include some links in the show notes. Catch you next time. Catch you next time. Thank you.